And drop the subject is officially underway. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Humans, welcome. This is Allie Johnson and Dr. James Simmons, nurse practitioner. And I just wanted to start off today by saying... Uh, thanking you, James, and thanking all of the uh, lovely listeners out there who have who have tuned in this week, who have downloaded the podcast, who have tuned into the many conversations that we've had. I look back to Monday and how and the conversations <laughs> that we had then versus now, and um, I just wanted to thank everybody who has been a part of all of the guests that have joined us this week. I know I have learned a tremendous, tremendous amount in the past five days, uh, in the past week, really. And I can only hope that these conversations have helped and done something for you listening as well. And uh, it, it won't stop. I mean, we are going to continue having some of these really great conversations. Of course, we're going to make sure we have a little fun every now and again, too. But I, I just wanted to... I just wanted to say that and acknowledge that because uh, I just know from my own perspective and I just am being very honest here. We've talked a lot about being uncomfortable, talking about racism and things like that. And I am so much more comfortable today talking about these things because of being able to process them on the airwaves. And uh, I thank Channel Q for the space to do that. It has been an incredible learning experience. And I can only hope that and we'll talk about George Floyd's memorial service and all kinds of stuff. And I I can only hope that we are... um, doing his family a service and all the families of the lives that have been lost. Uh, and I, and I hope that none of it is in vain. I hope that it continues and I hope that this does bring on some real change. We will, you know, occasionally we need to, we need to laugh and, and have those kind of healthy distractions for our own mental health. But I, I appreciate all of the really, really tough and, and fascinating conversations that we've had. Um, and James, I hope you agree. I think that I you do. Um, I do. Yeah. I, I, I just, I want to thank all the listeners as well. We've gotten some, you know, incredible feedback, uh, this entire week. Um, uh, most of it good about having these really uncomfortable conversations and, um, and just what you have been able to learn as well. And we know that you're listening and we know that you're a part of this and thank you to you as well, Allie, you know, it is not, we've talked about this before, but sometimes there's a, there's an additional burden for oftentimes being like the token black person in the mm-hmm. room and okay. And everyone says, well, I'm not racist. I want to, or, or they'll say I'm racist, but I want to learn how to do better. And then it, it falls back on you. So you're living a life of oppression. And then all of a sudden you have to educate everybody else who's privileged. I have not felt that this week. I felt like you've had a very open heart and a very open mind and a, a willing ear. And it's, it's so encouraging for me to hear that, and I want everyone else to sort of hear this too. Like once you have a few of those uncomfortable conversations and just be willing to learn and open, it, it opens up a whole new world, right? right. Like you, you're like, it's sort of like you come through the other side and you're like, okay, now at least I know that I, we can talk about this. And it's things like that, that are going to really, really push us towards the change that needs to happen. So, you know, I, I know that we have a platform and we're both talkers, we're both listeners. This is what you do when you are in the media, but it takes sort of a special level of being able to do that this week. And I thank you, Allie, for making, creating that space and Jesse too, who you guys can't hear. He's nodding his head. Yes. Um, he's nodding his so white head. Been, thank you. He's nodding his white blonde hair. Yes. But he's, um, <laughs> no, we, it, honestly, I, I appreciate that. And we, and like Allie said, I'm not going to reiterate everything, but we, we, we will continue these conversations for sure. We might laugh a little bit 
today because I have a funny story. But well, uh, I wanted to ask you about that, and, and just before I do, thank you, James, and I. I I'm really glad to hear that you didn't feel that way um, in, during these conversations this week, and also. I encourage you to to speak up if you ever do feel that way because it's part of something that I want to you know I want to learn and I want to know when I am <laughs> when when there's a learning moment I would like sure. to know about it um but sure. I do want to take a second to ask you about the raccoon sex that took place in your pool in your backyard uh I, I believe this was yesterday but I don't know if it continued and I'm just gonna say also that I'm glad we're not playing the quarantine scavenger hunt anymore because you would have lost points for your visitors I <laughs> very good. I would have lost points for those visitors. You know what? Okay, so we, I mean, it was three forty-seven a.m. or something like that. I don't know. Screeches in our backyard, and our our master bedroom is is right next to the backyard where the pool is, and we like screeching. And so Chris and I literally like levitate up off the bed. You know, when you're woken out of bed so hard and fast, you just are like, boom, you're standing. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? So I ran outside. I have no clothes on whatsoever. And I'm expecting (laughs) to be that there's like people out there like we're being broken into, like whatever. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And I'm like, get my bat. And (laughs) I don't have a gun or a knife, but I do have a bat. I'm not afraid to use it. And so I'm like, get my bat. And Chris is like, I'm not getting your bat. What's going on? And like we go outside and I see these two large furry things get out of our pool. (laughs) And then like run And you away. don't live and, in West Hollywood, right? And I don't hey oh but the and there was another a third one like off to the side and they all sort of scurry together and they're like screeching and whatever and I'm like what what the heck was this? And then those little bastards would not leave. Like they were, we like chased them towards the the big, we have a big wooden fence in the backyard and we'd like chase them toward it. And they kind of like crawled up the fence and then they just sat there <laughs> and, we were and like, they're like, we're waiting we're like, for you to go. Right. So we can get back in the pool. So fast forward. Anyway, we end up, they end up leaving. I haven't seen them again, but it was, I mean, it was so jarring and there was water everywhere. They had to have been in that pool for a long time. There was water all over the backyard. It was like everywhere where they're like playing in the pool yesterday. So this was two nights ago, right? Yesterday, pool guy comes and he's like, there are animal feces in your pool. Ah, That is not the right type of feces. And he said, do you know who's been here? And we were like, yeah, it's raccoon. And he's like, okay, raccoon's fine. I know how to deal with this, like whatever. And he like treated the pool and did this like whole big thing or whatever. And it's like fine now. But I was like, I can't believe the raccoons were having sex and doing, you know, what in my pool? Well, I can't believe that they were probably having sex on regular land. And then one raccoon was like, hey, you want to pool sex? I've never had pool sex before. (laughs) I mean, that is something that it'll always make that never have I ever a little more interesting. Well, when we come back, uh, we're going to I have a couple more questions about the raccoon sex, but also (laughs) lots of other things to get into right here on Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject. Allie and James. James has feces in his pool, but I guess not anymore, huh? Nope. It's all it's totally fine now. He promised us it looks good. Actually, it's like the cleanest the pool has looked in several weeks. So, you know, I'll take it. Well, you know what's funny is if if that raccoon gets pregnant and they'd like to chill no, where hey, they conceived. No, no, don't even put that out into the universe. <laughs> well, I'm just making a point of it, James, because I think when it comes to getting animals out of your living space, 
Raccoon is one of the ones that they're like, they throw their hands up and they're like, you got to just let them take over. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> they're like, oh, if no. they, she's got, if she's like pregnant or she's guarding her raccoon babies. And I say this nope. as someone who won some raccoon babies recently on the show. Uh huh. You can't get the, you have to just let them cohabitate with you. No, it would make sense that you would, <laughs> you would know raccoon baby stuff. Allie, come on now. <laughs> Cause you won that evil game show. <laughs> No, I'm not. I think I just actually feel like the like physical layout of our backyard and the pool and whatever is not necessarily conducive for animals hanging out there. We just happen to be we call it the freeway. We just happen to be in this freeway between like one sort of open, empty lot and another sort of like park area or whatever. And we think the animals just like pass through all the time. Oh, they're yeah. Like, they're like migrating. Oh, cool. A pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll stop here for a minute. I mean, can you blame them? Yeah. Let's talk about the memorial service that took place yesterday. It happened. It started during yesterday's show. And, of course, a lot of protests ensued afterwards. Uh, city, I mean, cities like Oakland, there were thousands and thousands of people in Oakland. I got um, I had a lot of friends from the Bay Area that were posting images from the from the protests there. And it was incredible to see so many people out there. But, of course, Minneapolis, Boston, Seattle, thousands and thousands of people out New York as well uh, more arrests happening but we should highlight some of the great moments from the memorial service for George Floyd uh, hundreds and hundreds of people attended that including Al Sharpton who spoke Eric Garner's mother was there and um, this is just some of what he had to say Al Sharpton George Floyd's story has been the story of black folks because ever since 401 years ago, the reason we could never be who we wanted and dreamed to be in is you kept your knee on our neck. We were smarter than the underfunded schools you put us in, but you had your knee on our neck. The Reverend Sharpton goes on to make several examples of how uh, we could have run corporations. We could have been creative, more creative in the arts. Mm -hmm. We could have gone to space. Like we could have done all of these things, but you had your knee on our neck. And it's such a powerful analogy. Um, and very, very Reverend Al Sharpton of him to sort of be able to bring that together and, and you know, state something that's, that's very true. I mean, it, we, black people were not even here on this continent 401 years ago. And... You know, it's just, it's it's not surprising at all that we are still where we are because of this this systemic racism and and you know a lot of people talk about oh well uh, you always bring up slavery well yeah it was really actually only several generations ago right and right. Uh, that that slavery was still going on by the way and it, just a it, couple generations in your family right right yeah exactly and there this it's very it is the root of the cause of what's going on here like uh, oppression begets oppression and and poverty begets poverty and all these things and until you find out a way to break that cycle you that's why you continue to bring people there so it's important to understand acknowledge and apologize and fix the root of the issue before you can you know fix what's going on now yeah no i think that um my, my wife and I were having a conversation about that last night because we were talking about the importance of apologizing uh, when we were talking earlier about police reform and how police need to start apologizing. And it's 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 easy for a cop to be like, well, I haven't done anything. I, I'm not part of the problem. I'm, I'm a good cop. I'm a good this. And it's also it's still important to apologize for things that your group, you know, like for the way the police force 
has has failed people um, is the same way it's important for white people to apologize for th- th- what their group of people has been doing for the past 400 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that, you know, it's hard. We, we've been having these uncomfortable conversations all week. And it, it's uh, sometimes it's hard to that that becomes a crutch, right? That becomes something that's easy, easy. Oh, you always bring up slavery. And even just in saying something like that, it completely diminishes the experience, mm-hmm. the entire black experience. It diminishes that individual's experience. It diminishes that their experience in that particular moment. And it's it's one of those red flag things, right? That Dr. D'Angelo talked about when he, we interviewed her earlier in this week. That Dr. John Paul talked about yesterday. Like one of those red red flag things when you're trying to talk about racism, and you say, "Well, the history of slavery," and you can't even finish your sentence. And people are like, "Oh, here you go again, bringing up slavery." Yeah, I am. Because <laughs> that's what it all stemmed from, <laughs> right? It all stemmed from that. Like, where do you think this? And there's no reparations. Like the, I think the country has officially apologized but I'm not even a hundred percent sure of that. Like, like until those things start to happen, it's the, it's the old, oldest analogy in the book about the foundation being cracked, right? You have to have a solid foundation Mm -hmm. before you can build change upon that. And if you don't acknowledge and fix that foundation, nothing's gonna, gonna be sustainable. Well, and then I wish Marianne Williamson had gotten farther than she did because she was like all about reparations, you know? Yeah. I mean, it makes a sense. That's this. Take the knee off our neck. Right, exactly. When we get back, Al Sharpton did has some other things to say, including a lot of shout outs, some to Tiffany Haddish as well, and uh, a new march on Washington. Uh, so we'll talk about that when we get back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject on the new Channel Q. Rolling right along on your 10 o'clock hour. I am James. She is Allie. You are you. I'm stealing that from you. <laughs> you said that yesterday, and I, I like that one. So I thought I'd give it a whirl. Uh, in the last break, we were talking about the memorial service that happened yesterday um, in Minneapolis for George Floyd, and uh, the Reverend Al Sharpton gave the eulogy, who um, has has been an incredible activist and speaker and political pundit and, and minister, obviously, for a very long time and a really influential person and very controversial person um, uh, as, a, as a part of the movement. Um, but I think it was really appropriate for him to to be some to give the eulogy yesterday and to be a part of the service as controversial as he can be. And, um, uh, you know, there were some other things that happened um, through the memorial service, and I thought it was really touching and moving. Um, And he, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton, actually announced that there's going to be a new march on Washington, and we're going to give some more details about that. But also, what I found really striking about some of what was going on in the memorial yesterday was, was Twitter. Twitter's response to everything that was going on. And in particular, I'm I'm just going to kind of call it what it is, but white Twitter had sort of a a particular response about how the service was going. And uh, particularly, you know, there was a moment where Al Sharpton was sort of calling out all the gospel singers, the other pastors, celebrities, all these people were in the audience and and including Tiffany Haddish. Um, And it was sort of kind of an awkward moment. Before I tell you more about it, take a listen. Is Tiffany here? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I I, I didn't want to announce and say I embarrassed her. Let me tell you something. One of the most popular, outstanding artist that is also committed. I've read her interview. She think I'm old and don't read stuff, but I do. And she's been committed and saying the right things, and she wanted to be here today. And I was so busy joking with Kevin, I didn't even look at her. Let us welcome our sister beloved, Sister Tiffany Haddish is in the house. 
So Tiffany gets up and waves to everyone at the memorial service. And um, there was a lot of Twitter who was having like sort of a field day with this. And they were like, what is going on? I don't understand. Did we really (laughs) stop the service to give shout outs to Tiffany Haddish? And there was a part of me that was like, of course we did. This this is black church. This <laughs> this is what we do in black church. Listen, I grew up, my mother was a minister. She was a minister, a United Methodist preacher and a missionary. And her churches were predominantly white, but she was often sending us to uh, other either United Methodist black churches or other black churches in the community that we I kind of also grew up in um, because she wanted to be sure that as raising three little black kids, we had that experience. And so I was like, this is just black church. I'm sorry, if you're at Greater New Hope Missionary Baptist Church of, you know, you know, Lafayette Street or whatever, and you have some neighbors from, you know, Greater Southern New Hope Missionary Baptist Church that are from three blocks down the road and they come over and visit you, you're going to get a shout out at church <laughs> and they're going to stand and maybe ho- holler a little bit at you and welcome you. But that welcome is going to be the longest welcome ever. And well, th- this is just how it happens. And this is why Black Church is three and a half, four hours long. <laughs> well, it's it's the... I mean, I know from a radio standpoint about shout outs, once one person gets a shout out, everybody needs a shout out. Yep. So you can't just do one shout out and then because then somebody speaks up. And they're, well, what, hold on. What about Tiffany Haddish? What about uh, the, the other Bap- the visitors from the other Baptist church? From that, well, that other church. Right. Yep. Which is what was happening. Literally, there's four or five people on stage with the Reverend Al Sharpton and he's trying to handle all of this. And then someone comes up and whispers in his ear. And he's like, oh, wait, oh, is Tiffany here? Is she here? And it, t- it took me back to my childhood, like both in like a traumatic sense of like being 12 years old and being really hungry and needing to pee and black church never ending. And then also like a really like <laughs> lovely, comforting, warm sort of thing. Right. When the preacher's in the pulpit and doing the shout outs, it was it was it was really nice. But but so kind of a, a sweet moment during the memorial service. But more importantly, uh, Al Sharpton really uh, brought forth um, some more action that's going to uh, take hold. Well, I think that when you make a good point about when you're a kid and you're in church, it's it's hard to have nothing but, f- I, I mean, it, I don't think any kid just has only positive things to say about going to church as a kid. Right. Um, <laughs> that being said, I went to church a lot as a kid and it was definitely way more boring than anything that I've seen in black churches. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's the key. Like black churches, it'll it'll keep you going. Most of that three and a half, four hours, it'll keep you going. Most yeah. I mean, like the, the Catholic church is just like, oh, my God, could we uh, up, down, kneeling? Oh, even the choir. Yeah. I'm like, come on, can you, can you give up the energy a little bit? Jesus, <laughs> literally, please. Um, So Reverend Al Sharpton also announced that he is organizing a march on Washington in late August to mark the 57th anniversary of the historic demonstration for civil rights as protests over the death of George Floyd. And this is going to be on August 28th. They are going to restore and this is his quote, restore and commit that dream of Martin Luther King Jr. We need to go back to Washington and stand up black, white, Latino, Arab in the shadows of Lincoln and tell them this is the time to stop this. So that Mm. is going to happen. I think that's incredible. A a big march on Washington like that, like that. And I mean, in August 28th, I don't know where we're going to be with having a, a, a group of people that large, but it's it's already happening. Yeah, it is already happening, and we're we're going to talk more about that later on in the show. About you know, with everything going on, it is still really important to remember that we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and um, I do say global because cases of COVID nineteen are rising very very quickly in other countries. So definitely more on that, and more about what's going on on the in the world coming up on Drop the Subject. 
Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q. Rounding out our first hour here on Drop the Subject with Allie and James and wanted to share with you some potential nominees for Songs of the Summer. The Songs of the Summer this year are going to look a lot different from any years previous. And from anywhere from I Wonder What's Inside Your Butthole to this new song about Trump and, uh, I mean, possibly... The be- I mean, you, the album, if we were going to do a Songs of the Summer album, it's, uh, Wonder What's Inside Your Butthole, the song we're about to play about Trump, and Lose Your Job, which is another internet sensation, an overnight sensation, uh, would all be the hottest tracks so far. Uh, yeah, I think we do have to throw the original from the very beginning of the pandemic, the, the Cardi B... Um Coronavirus, that remix. I think we got to throw that. Oh, one yes, in there that too. one has to go on there as well. Yeah. We should really put together an album. I, I, I mean, I think we should, and then sell it and make, <laughs> to sell it and reap thir- the benefits of everyone else's hard dollars, work. <laughs> right? Because we would need to give all the proceeds to everyone else who actually did the work to put it together. I digress. <laughs> True. Here's one nominee for song of the summer. It is uh, uh, an artist who who put this out. I, I apologize. I don't have her name in front of me. I will find it and give and give her credit where credit is due. But she wrote a song uh, called Bunker Boy about Donald Trump going into his bunker last weekend. Here's here's what that sounds like. Bunker boy, don't lie. You got scared and hid in the basement in the middle of the night. You're not so tough, no. So sorry, side. So take your Bible, shove it up your ass, and turn on the f- lights. Bunker boy, bunker boy. November's coming, and we hope you're terrified. Bunker boy. Sounds like something you'd hear on the Juno soundtrack, no? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it sounds like. I mean, a very beautiful song by Courtney J. Thank you. J-A-Y-E. She's at Tropical J, Tropical J-A-Y-E on uh, the Instagram. Uh, and she wrote the song for and about and uh, penned it to, tagged the real Donald Trump on this as well. Thank you oh, for that. Great. First of the summer. We're starting off your summer uh, hot tracks uh, a little lighter, a little breezier, but it gets it gets more intense from there, Allie. Well, let me know where, because I know you have the information in front of you of where the original video came from. But this woman, uh, she was detained in one of the protests, black woman. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> and right. she. I, no, a black yeah. woman being. Sorry. Yeah, there was police. a black woman that was being arrested at the protests, James. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Things really are getting crazy. But this woman and her response to being detained, she's in handcuffs and she's with an officer. And this this was the impromptu song she began to sing. Why are you detaining me? You about to lose your job. You about to lose your job. Get this dance. You about to lose your job because you are detaining me for nothing. And you're detaining me for nothing. And you about to lose your job. You ain't even got no job because you're training. You about to lose your job. You about okay, to lose. So this, this goes on. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. And this has blown up. I This this song has exploded in just, I think, 24 hours, maybe even 30 hours max. But this thing has completely blown up. And it, it has sort of become the de facto like go, song of the week. 
Yeah, it's the song of the week, but I think it's going to be the song of the summer. I think it's the strongest nominee so far. And here's the remix by I Marquis, who also did Coronavirus. Correct? Yeah, yeah, me sure. And and this is uh, this is what the remix sounds like. There's a little Why bit of the you original here. Me? You about to lose your job. You about to lose your job. Get this dance. You about to lose your job because you are detaining me for nothing. The video compilation as well is just so wonderful. Well, it's amazing. It's Childish Gambino's This Is America, uh, Bobby Shmurda's A Song I Can't Say, uh, Beyonce's Coachella performance, Bugs, Dancing Elmo, which were also in the... But they both were also in the Cardi B coronavirus one as well. So um, I'm Marquis, DJ Academics is at it again. We appreciate the songs of the summer. A little... Uh, <sighs> a little something just to give us a chance to breathe uh, during this tough week. More more on uh, protests, on George Floyd, on coronavirus. I'll drop the subject. We'll be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James. And since it is Friday, we get the great opportunity to chat with Jason Carter again from all kinds of places. CNN, The Young Turks, RuPaul's Drag Race and beyond. Jason, welcome back. Hi, James. Allie, good to be here with you guys. It's been a, a week, hasn't it? Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. It has been. Yeah. We've had some really, you know, really interesting and and difficult and uncomfortable conversations, but much needed conversations this entire week. And uh, I think one of the things that is is sort of interesting is the uh, entertainment side of these things. A lot of people are watching the news, but they may not necessarily be hearing what's going on in the world of entertainment in terms of police brutality, police killing of, of black men, and how the entertainment world is responding to that. So as per always, Jason Carter, please be our PC <laughs> police. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and maybe we no, need to no change pun. the name of that, but our PC police, our pop culture police and school us about what's going on. No pun intended. Well, you know, you're very right. It's been very, it's, you know, worlds are colliding. And here's the thing. If you are black, it doesn't matter what title you hold, what profession you're in. The, the color of your skin is always still the same. And you're still, you still move through the world as a person of color. So people like Kiki Palmer, who Tuesday in Hollywood, I mean, just, is on the front lines. A lot of stars are on the front lines here in LA and across the world, risking their lives essentially for the lives of, of their brothers and sisters. Kiki Palmer in a viral video, you two called out the national guard and implored them passionately and emotionally to stand with us, march with us, be beside us, take a knee, take a knee. I mean, she, I've never, I mean, Kiki is very outspoken. We know Kiki has this bright, vivacious personality, but this has one, been one of the only times I've seen Kiki just, galvanize, mobilize, and get in the thick of it. And it was so awesome to watch. I'm going to quote Kiki. She says, I'm looking out and witnessing a physical revolt, and it's a revolt on a scale that I wasn't sure I'd ever see. To those that may not be looking close enough, all they will see is looting or people who don't really care about the movement or anarchy without a movement. But what I see is a society responding to the oppressor about how the oppressor has responded to us. And that's what Kiki mm. said in her viral video. So Kiki, I mean, Kiki's just one of several celebrities that are actively vocal across the pond in the UK, Star Wars star John Boyega enraged, tearful in activism earlier this week. And he just spoke to the masses at his protest. And he says, look, 
I may not have a career after I'm done saying this, but he uses the F word next to saying, but f- that the time is now. And it's so sad that he has to worry about having a career for taking a stand against something that's not, that's affecting him. It's affecting others. Isn't that, isn't that, that, that to me was just as egregious as what else is going on. Wouldn't you agree that he has to say that I may not have a career because the people at the top, would see him as a problem for taking a stand against something that needs to be addressed. You know, it's so it's so interesting because I've been reading stories all week about different celebrities who are going out to the protests or who are speaking up and using, you know, I'm using my platform, I'm using my voice to say something and to have white celebrities speak up and have them be revered as heroes and then have black celebrities speak up and talk about being afraid their careers are ending. It's disgusting, Ali. It's disgusting. And even myself, I've been very active on my social media. I mean, yesterday I did this really cool um, forum about how about diversity and inclusion and representation in the entertainment industry. And I was even apprehensive of posting some very visceral and very honest truths on my because because of the backlash I may face from potential employers. I'm thinking I shouldn't, we, no one, I don't even care if it's a, if you're black, Hispanic, Asian, a woman, doesn't, you should never have to f- be fearful of a lack of opportunity for saying the truth, really. So yeah. hopefully that'll inspire change. You know, right, James? Like, point blank period. Am I, am I wrong? It, it, it's ridiculous. It, 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 anyways, back to celebrities doing the good work. Nina Parker, who is on um, Daily Pop, part of E! News, has... This whole week, starting on Monday, just been incredible with her honesty, her bravery, and just calling people out. On Monday on Daily Pop, she talked about the racism that she has been experiencing in her DMs on social media from speaking out for Black Lives Matter and speaking out as a black woman. And it was just, I wish I had more words to describe it. I could articulate it better. She was emotional. She was raw. She was, she was pain. She was all these things saying that, listen, if you care about me as a black woman, then you need to say something. You need to stand up. You need to use your platforms. And she was speaking to a lot of people who have been silent. A lot of people that have hundreds of thousands of followers who have said nothing saying it's your time to do what you say you want to do. And she's since gone viral and all week he has done a fantastic job of pivoting their entertainment content to speak to this because these, these outlets don't have to do that. Really. They should, the right thing to do is that, and they don't have to do that. But NBC universal is killing it when it comes to having a space of amplify for amplifying black voices that are employed, that are employed by them and giving them an authentic, safe and real Avenue and venue to speak their truth. I think that it, I have, I have never in my, never in my time in the industry have I seen anything happen like that. So kudos to NBC well, Universal for doing, doing what's right. Absolutely. And I think, it, I mean, it's so much in terms of how the world has changed, right? How the, how we have perceived what's going on in the world and what people will tolerate. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, like these things, TV, media, radio, everyone has to make money. And, I think what the conversation has forced over time, you know, entertainment outlets were not covering the Rodney King riots in 1992 because people would not have tolerated that and it would have impacted their bottom line. And so now we've come, you know, what is it, 28 years later Mm -hmm. to you have to cover these things and you have to talk about what's really going on in the world or the viewers will tune out because you will look tone deaf and you will look ignorant and it will impact your bottom line. So either way, you know, I think it's really interesting that a lot of celebrities have talked about you have to get to the the core of what's really going to change people. And unfortunately, a lot of these individuals aren't going to be changed and organizations and companies aren't going to be changed by a moral high ground 
or that they've, you know, really. No, or they would have changed by now. Or they would have changed by now, right? You got to get them at the bottom line. And so you're right, Jason, it's really smart on NBC, Universal, and other organizations that have really gone that step to to do their coverage there. And I know you have a lot more. Jason Carter, we have to take a quick break, uh, drop the subject listeners, but I promise you we have some kind of really interesting other stories going on in the entertainment world. We will be right back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. James Simmons, Allie Johnson, and Jason Carter is with us right now. We're continuing our discussion earlier um, about sort of what's going on in terms of the protests that are going on globally, sparked by the murder of George Floyd, but now it's, you know, really triggered such an important, deeper conversation about racism, and in particular in the entertainment industry, where we, where we know that that is rampant. A lot of celebrities have spoken out and used their platforms, and that continues. And there are some really uh, interesting celebrities. You know, there's, there's a woman, Jason, who joined a, a, a multiple Emmy-winning daytime talk show just six months ago and is now leaving. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Amanda Seals, who, of course, we love on Insecure, she, believe it it or not, and people don't know this about she is highly educated, very informed, very present in what's going on and has been for years. Now that she's been thrust into a more uh, visible spot in pop culture and black culture, we're now finding out more about her, which has been super enlightening. But yes, after six months of being on The Real, she is out. Now, we know she came in to, what they're saying, replace Tamar Braxton, who has since been off the show since 2016, and there's only been four women at the table and they've had a rotating panel of other celebrities and guest hosts throughout that time but she took the helm earlier this year but she says she's done i'm out bye felicia see ya au revoir ciao it's been great adios and she did this i know all all the ways you can say bye but she did this wednesday on her ig live and i'm just going to quote her because here's the reason why she says quote my contract is up and i didn't renew because it didn't feel good to my soul to be at a place where I cannot speak to my people in the way they need to be spoken to, and where the people who are speaking to me in disparaging ways are not being handled. Hmm. Now she goes on to say in this space, I'm not in a space where I can, as a full black woman, a whole black woman, have my voice and my coworkers also have their voices, and where the people at the top are not respecting the necessity for black voices to be at the top too. And that's where the conversation starts. And I think that's where a lot of people are now turning inward to be like, okay, yes, visibly, this is an outward problem that we're seeing, but the covertness and the evil and the sinister behaviors of people is also also deeply ingrained internally within these organizations, within these major corporations in the entertainment, within these major studios, these major, these major outlets, right? So what she's saying, which I think she's saying, and I can't quote, I mean, just interpreting what I, what I think she's getting is that there's people at the top that don't have people who look like any marginalized group of people in the room to make decisions to tell these stories. And of course, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but people wanted to make it as if the ladies of the real had a problem with Amanda because that was the narrative when Tamar left. And Amanda went on to her social media, which Lonnie Love, who is another host on The Real Shared, and said, no, 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 people, this is not what's going on. We're not going to pit black women and women of color against each other for for your spectacle, for your circus. That's not what happened. Amanda's like, I didn't feel represented in my voice, so I'm out. I don't need the check. I'm good. And for her to take a stance, much like John Boyega, who said he may not have a career after this, Amanda's like, I'm good if I don't, because I have lots of other things and other ways to be of value and service in my community that supersede getting a check. So it's good for Amanda for saying, 
I'm out. Absolutely. And that's such a hard thing to do because in the entertainment industry, I mean, as we know, racism is rampant. Sexism is rampant. There's so much corruption mm-hmm. in, in the entertainment industry and in Hollywood in general. And progress is slowed because people in the entertainment industry are trying to just be working. They're trying to stay, they're trying to like hustle and keep those opportunities coming and to take a stand and walk away from an opportunity like being on a daytime talk show takes so much strength to stand up and say, no, this is not, I mean, in the Me Too movement too, saying like, and I know this is different, but saying like, I I know that I, I, I didn't say anything before because I was scared that my career was going to end. And for for women, and black people to come up and say, you know what? If my career ends, it ends. Enough is enough. I just know that this doesn't feel good to my soul. So I'm, I'm very. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's so amazing to see stories like that, and, and also to, to speak to when it comes to casting or you know when you who you're working with and when and why a lot of these companies do it performatively where oh okay if, oh, as long as yes. we have like the the college brochure of um there's a black guy and an asian woman and a cute dorky uh you know gay kid and once we have those things then it makes us look good even though it wasn't right. from an authentic place. Right. right. Well, that goes back to what we we're talking about at break. I mean, I posted this on Instagram about di- di- about diversity and representation and the and the the action behind that is inclusion because I, you know, I feel it's just as egregious to be on this quest for said diversity and representation and then when you then when you acquire the talent to not engage and engage that talent and also see their value. But you also are publicly optically for, for people who look at your organization that are, that are have an eagle eye view and are on or bloodhounds to make sure that inclusion is happening. You seem to be inclusive, but behind closed doors, you're anything but, and there, and, and, and look, the conversation you guys will always be, yes, we want to do this. The, the, the hot button topics, the, the phrases will always be there, but the work happens when no one's watching. And now I think mm-hmm. since we are now in a space where it's like, okay, we're even more we're hyper aware. I mean, we're, we're beyond hyper aware now. We are so vigilant and even beyond hyper vigilancy that people cannot do that anymore. You will not get away with it. There's going to be people on the inside of that. Are, their, their job is going to be to keep an eye, a, a watchful eye on people that are doing that type of bad behavior. So Amanda Seals, and, and, and Ali, it is bravery because I, I mean, me and you've talked about this. I know for the audience listening, well, you know, it's, it's, so, it's so terrible to feel like you have to subject yourself and c- continue to exist in a space because out of fear. Right. Out of fear. And how can you show up and be your best self when you're afraid? You can't. So does everyone a disservice? Does everyone a disservice? Oh, it does. For sure. And I, 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 that's exacerbation sigh is, is a, a good one. And that I feel like Jason, I hope you're right. There are systems and protocols and things in place that will continue this and that there will be a watchful eye. I am cautiously optimistic about that. Jason, thank you so much for being with us again on our, our we're going to come up with a new name for this, I think. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you school, I think it's a good we'll move, go James. Yeah. 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 yeah, we'll go with yeah, that. yeah. Jason Carter, real quick, remind the kids where they can find you online. They can find me online on Instagram at Jason Carter official. You can also find me on my website at jasonunleash.net and hit me up on Twitter at JJC forever. That's the word forever. And James and Allie, thank you for the incredible conversations you guys have had this week. They're tough. 
they're uncomfortable. And I think when we have those tough and uncomfortable situations in the conversations, that's the only way we can see some sort of, of movement on the needle and some change happening. So kudos to you guys. And I appreciate what the work you guys are doing as well. Kudos to you too, Jason. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject presents News It or Lose It. All right, drop the subject with Allie and James Simmons. It's news it or lose it time. I have three headlines. You have three decisions, very important decisions to make. James, are you ready to go? Bong. I'm ready. Okay. Headline number one, Kate Blanchett suffers head injury in quarantine chainsaw accident. <laughs> you use quarantine, Kate Blanchett, and uh, chainsaw on the same sentence. Yeah, you got to learn more, right? Okay, and then headline number two, Karen's gone wild. Karen scolds mom for letting her kids drive toy car in a park with no license. Really? (laughs) It's a funny one. It's not an inferior. Okay, I was like, okay. In other Karen news, headline number three, Amy Cooper, who falsely accused black man in Central Park, gets her dog back. I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm going to lose it, but Uh I'm okay. That's fine. She can get her dog back. She can get her dog back. That's fine. She. I hope. I hope she's still learning. I hear she's still learning and doing all these trainings and all this other stuff and like whatever. And I'm glad she's an example for all the Karens of the world of what not how not to be a Karen. But she she can have her dog. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Let's learn about Kate Blanchett and her chainsaw mishaps, shall we? Because <laughs> when you think of chainsaws, you think of Kate Blanchett. Yeah, she's been in quarantine in England. Uh, she has a home in England, though she's Australian. Mm-hmm. And her her and her four kids, I guess, have been quarantined there. And she w- appeared on a podcast with Julia Gillard, who's the former Prime Minister of Australia. She has a podcast, everyone. And she was asking Kate Blanchett about what she's been doing uh, in her time in quarantine. And And Kate Blanchett revealed that she had a bit, quote, I had a bit of a chainsaw accident yesterday. uh, Sorry, yesterday, which sounds very, very exciting, but it wasn't, Kate Blanchett said. Uh, Apart from a little nick on my head, we're fine. And she did not reveal. (laughs) She left a little cliffhanger. She didn't say exactly what happened with the mechanical tool, but she said... Be very careful with that. Cha- this is Julia now, the host. Be very careful with that chainsaw. You've got a very famous head. I don't think they will want to see any nicks taken out of it. So I guess she's okay. But I mean, also, just if you if have a chainsaw accident, tell us about your chainsaw accident. Or on the interviewer, get it out of them, right? Don't you want to ask as an interviewer, like, wait, Kate, you need to tell us what happened. Yeah, I mean, I think that you have a very famous head bit is funny, but I would more than that want to know what happened with the chainsaw. Yeah. So huh. very anyway. interesting. Well, and and in you said in London or in England, North, like like this Middle happened America. in England, but she went on an Australian podcast because this was the former prime minister right. of Australia. I just uh, where I was going was why do you have a chainsaw in the middle of London? But if she's outside of London, oh then, no, like, yeah, I th- I'm sure it was a country. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was just doing my daily. Just like cleaning up dog poop with the chainsaw like I do. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of walking with ankle weights. Right, right, right. Like, really? Chainsaw? Walking with chainsaw. Uh All right. There is a woman who was captured on film in a park. 
I don't know if her name is Karen. There is no, uh, we can't play Is It Karen because they have not revealed what this woman's actual name is. But she was berating another woman in a park. And this took place in California, though the city has not been revealed. And (laughs) so these kids are in a park with their mom and the kids are driving in a Power Wheels. And this is what one possible Karen had to say. What bothers me is you have a little kid in here that doesn't have a driver's license. He's just a little kid and you're not with him. It's not a real car. I never saw a car in here before. It's a, it's a power wheel car, man. It doesn't bother me. What bothers me is you have a little kid in here that doesn't have a driver's license. He's just a little kid and you're not with him. What? <laughs> And then it's so great because the video cuts over because she's like an older lady and she's got like a hat. She's obviously this is where she goes every day to the same park and goes for her little walks. And her walk was being interrupted by some kids in power wheels. There's like three kids stuffed in this power wheels like like car. <laughs> right. And she's she's like, what bothers me? And then she points over. She's like, these pe- they don't have a driver's license. And it cuts over. And there's this, like <laughs> these kids like off roading in this little power wheels car like throughout the park <laughs> like looking so innocent being like what i'm so ha-. and like the thrill of driving in a power wheel oh is, my gosh when you're a kid that is like the ultimate feel of like the the the, the electric power under your uh, under your feet you're just uh, like yeah this that, is life this is living two miles an hour right and, yeah. that, like, and you're just like this is the greatest thing ever i i even oh karen <laughs> i know it. Karen, you know what? I don't live... So it's funny that I guess maybe the kids are going to go to the DMV. I don't think that's going to go well. But what is going to go well is uh, we're going to continue on with Drop the Subject. I don't know if it's going to go well, actually. Who knows? Drop the Subject returns, though, after this. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject. New Channel Q. James Q. Simmons, guest co-hosting with Ali Johnson. It is Friday. And man... It has been a week. Really good. Really tough. Really honest conversations, including in the sports world, uh, where we talked about this a little bit yesterday. But Drew Brees, quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, former league MVP, uh, Super Bowl winner, um, did, did as a very good friend of mine said, opened his mouth and shoved his foot in and just kept shoving. Um, <laughs> in terms of his his response to, he was asked in a really long rambling question from a gentleman on Yahoo Finance two days ago about Yes, that guy did ramble with the question, didn't he? He did. And I think that's maybe even a little bit of this, but Drew, but Drew Brees showed kind of his true heart and I'll, that, that I'll, there's a tie to that. I'll get to it in a minute. But he was asked about the George Floyd protests and what came out of his mouth was how he feels about people kneeling during the national anthem like Colin Kaepernick in NFL games. It did not go well. The backlash came swift and hard from celebrities, from athletes, from his own teammates, from other coaches, lots of people around the NFL, including um, other NFL players are now taking this as an opportunity to um, encourage the NFL to take an even stronger stance against racism. 70% of players in the NFL are black. Wow. 70%. Less than 10% of NFL executives are black. There is a problem here. And so uh, a bunch of players, huge players now, Deshaun Watson, Odell Beckham Jr., Patrick Mahomes, who was the Super Bowl MVP. Yep. He just comes off of winning a Super Bowl. Michael Thomas, who is Drew Brees' number one target. Yeah, Michael Thomas is like... 
that's, that's like Drew's. That's Drew's guy. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Drew would not be who Drew Brees is without Michael Thomas. DeAndre Hopkins, who's probably the best receiver in the league. Teron Matthew, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, et cetera. All these guys, huge names in the NFL, if you don't know, put together this incredible video encouraging the NFL and others to take sort of a stronger stand. Here's what they said. We will not be silenced. We assert our right to peacefully protest. It shouldn't take this long to admit. So, on behalf of the National Football League, this is what we, the players, would like to hear you state. We, the National National Football Football League, League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the National Football League, admit wrong and silence our players from peacefully protesting. We, the National Football League, believe black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black Black lives lives matter. matter. Black lives matter. And what's so significant about that is that they are one of the things in there that gets a little bit lost, I think, is they're asking the NFL to apologize for punishing players for peacefully protesting during the national anthem. The NFL, the ball has never been more in their court. It's like, what are you going to do, guys? Because this is all being laid out. It's being made very apparent and heightened in people's like Drew Brees's words it's being echo the, the problems within the NFL and within this entire country and world when it comes to systemic racism be, is being brought to the attention by black players like you said I can't believe those stats 70% and it's time for the NFL to listen and respond and take action and I'm really really curious to see what they're going to do because a lot of people that are obsessed with football are you know don't, they don't get this they don't get this and they this they're the America ignorance. people who mm-hmm. if the NFL does take a stand they might risk losing those people but also it's, maybe it's they true, wouldn't maybe they, they'd be like whatever I don't care it's football and I think a lot of people will be that way. And listen, it's on the other side of that token, a lot of people have had to be like, well, I want to continue watching football and supporting players and supporting a game I love, even though that that football doesn't support me, even though football makes up 70% uh, is made up by 70% of black men, if football doesn't support that community, but they're still watching. So I also feel like if football did the right thing, they would just gain new fans, right? That's always yeah. the fear. Well, I don't want to piss off the people that I don't agree with because of money. It's always about the bottom line. But guess what? If you piss off those people, you're going to make a bunch of other people happy. So I I will say that Drew Brees did apologize. We talked about that also yesterday, but he had to apologize again because as we pointed out yesterday, his apology was even sort of tone deaf. I do want to give him a little bit of credit in the, and as we close up here, he, he, he's trying. And like I said, this is sometimes all we can ask for. This apology is a little bit better. I'm going to give it like a C. (laughs) I would have laid out what was on my heart. In regards to the George Floyd murder, Ahmaud Arbery, the years and years of social injustice, police brutality, and the need for so much reform and change in regards to legislation and so many other things to bring equality to our black communities. I am sorry, and I will do better, and I will be part of the solution, and I am your ally. And I know no words will do that justice. And the video actually, unfortunately, cuts off there. He he didn't upload something longer than a minute on Instagram. <laughs> but he keeps <laughs> he keeps like 
oh. like going on, but I don't think whatever. Anyway, I mean, he's trying. He's saying the right things. At least he's now not saying like, I'm sorry, you perceived what I said the wrong way. And I'll be a leader in the black community. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so I, think it's- I, I got to give him props. He's sure. he's trying. Yeah, he is trying. That That's definitely a step up. He's he's got like he started at F. Then he went to D. Now he's at a C. Maybe there's some extra credit he can do over the weekend to get his grades up a little bit. But um, at least then effort is being made. That's what's important. Uh, When we come back, more Drop the Subject. Don't go anywhere. Don't do it. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject. Allie Johnson, James Simmons, hanging out with you on this Friday. We very much thank you for hanging out with us. And if you missed anything thus far, if you're just tuning in, you can download that podcast a little later in the day. We always post up the podcast link so that you can get caught up on all things drop the subject you can also follow us at dts show and we are about to get into some things with trump and why he's taking a victory lap right now believe it or not but i thought i would palate cleanse with a little random story Uh uh-huh please okay last night's completely unrelated this is just something to to give you a chuckle before we talk about donald trump last night i was watching tv with my wife katie and we were watching, I think we were watching Killing Eve, and it was a, a couple of ads were playing, and this ad started playing of uh, beautiful, cool, like high action packed nature shots. Uh-huh. And Katie was like, oh my God, this show looks so good. I can't wait to watch it. And I was like, really? And then 15 seconds went by, and it ended up being a Fiji water ad. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I was like, that show looks uh, great. She was like, no, 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 there's another one that's like a nature show. Um, so now every time that that commercial plays, I'm like, oh my God, can't wait. I, this show's going to be fire. I can't wait. This show's going to be fire. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, poor uh, Katie. I, I love a new new nature show too, Katie. I'm with you. Even if it's I know, 15 I know. seconds long. <laughs> exactly. I think it was just footage of actual Fiji. Okay. All right. Let's talk about, let's Trump around for a little bit. Um, President Donald Trump is taking a victory lap right now. Let us explain. Because like when you look back on, I mean, it's June 5th of the first six months of 2020. I don't think anyone is taking a victory lap for anything right now. But he found a way because there has been a new job report uh, stating that employment is down to 13.3%, which wasn't it down to like 5% or something at the beginning of this year? Yeah, I think we were 5.74%, um, which was a, a low, certainly a low since the uh, Great Recession, 2008, uh, for sure. And, um, you know, for for the credit of whatever that means, that, that it was at a low. And we were actually up to 14.7% in April, with a lot of pundits thinking that because of, you know, all of this because of, of COVID-19 and the global pandemic, and mass quarantine. And a lot of people were thinking that the unemployment rate would actually rise to 20% uh, through the month of May. But the entire May jobs report came out and it, the unemployment rate's actually fallen to 13.3%, uh, which means the, the U.S. gained about 2.5 million jobs. And what I think is really interesting about this is that Donald Trump is declaring all of this as a victory and hailing this as, as you know, in his press conference. That was it wasn't certainly as off the rails as as much that he's done lately, but it was a little kooky in that he just it was very, very tone deaf to sort of everything that's going on. And he was he sort of made no mention like he was like, yes, there was a quarantine and yes, coronavirus. But then I created two point five million jobs. I brought the unemployment rate down. And the whole time I was like, well, no, these are people just getting their jobs back. Right. Right. Because states are lifting restrictions. 
isn't it interesting that every time something good happens, he lays claim to it. And whenever anything bad happens, it's China gave us this bad gift uh-huh. or these protesters are making the economy no, no. worse. So anytime it's anything bad... Thugs, Th- oh, right? Yeah. Thugs, these, exactly. These thugs are are doing this. Yeah, I mean, I love that our country is quite literally on fire this past week, and it, it it comes down to race at the very core of what's been going on for more than a week now. And he could not bring himself to make a press conference about it. He had to be urged. And then when he did have a press conference, it was, we're going to dominate you. And when the looting starts, the shooting starts and all of these other things. And he, he invokes, tries to invoke that, that, uh, you know, acts that would allow him to have the military be brought into different states so that he can control these protesters. So when all of these things are happening, we're trying to make incredible social injustice change. He has no press conference. But I mean, within 12 hours of the jobs report coming out, he's got a press conference. He's in front of the American people at the Rose Garden with a bunch of people behind him making a press conference. Now let me unify everyone. Right. Oh, God. He's also doing some shady crap. And, you know, when it comes to doing shady crap, a lot of people are like, "Mm, let's just do this under the radar right now while all these other crazy things are going on. And the Trump administration has now called on the Supreme Court to allow adoption agencies to turn away gay couples. And this is something that was, I believe, taken care of already, but they're calling on a reversal of this so that any kind of adoption agency can look at it, can decide and make those discriminating uh, decisions based on a couple's um, sexual orientation. Right. Uh, I mean, this this whole thing, you know, there, there there's this whole brief, uh, like a 35-page brief that the U.S. Solicitor General Noel Francisco and other just Justice Department people that it's against the city of Philadelphia and they were impermissibly discriminated against religious exercise. So they're using religion as a basis for some of these adoption agencies that oh, are fun. that are based yeah. in religion that say that if it's against their religious beliefs to to support same sex, same gender loving individuals, that they can also then restrict their adoptions if they're a religious based organization. Yeah. Um, so all kinds of interesting things going on. And we will always keep you updated when we get back. Dr. Jen joins us. We're going to talk about some of the things that have been going on this week. We're going to break them down with Dr. Jen from a mental health perspective. So you won't want to miss that. Don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. It's Friday. It's Allie and James Simmons hanging out with you. And of course, we have to bring on our favorite licensed psychotherapist, Dr. Jen Mann. Dr. Jen, how are you? I'm hanging in there. How are you guys doing? You know, we're hanging in there as well, and we've we've been having um, difficult but important conversations all week when it comes to uh, the protests, when it comes to how to mobilize safely and effectively in a time like this, of course, in the time of a pandemic as well. And so we wanted to specifically talk to you to talk about this from a mental health standpoint and also talk about how white people are responding to this and the issue of white guilt and the issue of white silence and the issue of why some white people are afraid to speak up because they're afraid of saying the wrong thing or they're afraid of offending people, but also how important it is to work through that fear in order to be a part of a more active change in this country. I know that's a lot to kind of unload on you, Dr. Jen, but um, (laughs) solve all of the problems. No, I'm just kidding. And you have five minutes to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) You know, a a friend of mine posted recently 
a post that said, do not avoid talking about racism for fear of getting it wrong. And I think that it is a really important sentiment because I think that there are a lot of people, particularly white people, who at this point are scared of asking questions, of not getting it right, of appearing to not be politically correct, of stepping on a minefield, of doing something wrong. And the last thing you want to do at a time like this is not ask the questions and not get the information. And well, you know, there are a lot of African-American people who I'm talking to are like, dude, I don't want to be your teacher right now. There are also a lot of people who are saying like, ask me, ask me about my life experience. Ask me why this is meaningful. Ask me why people are reacting the way they are right now and what led to this, because I want to share with you and help you to have some insight about experiences that you may have no clue about. And I think that it is very important to be sensitive to that, that, you know, that unless you have walked in someone's shoes, you can't fully understand. But on the other side, as an empathic, sensitive human being, you can ask someone about their experience in order to better understand it as best as you humanly can. I think you you bring up something. I was thinking this, and then you said the word, Dr. Jen, empathy. And empathy is almost, for some people, sort of a state of being, but I think it can be practiced. It can be developed. It's like almost like a skill, if you will. And so as a Black man, sometimes I'm just being very honest and forthright that sometimes what I hear when my white friends and family say, well, I don't know what to say because I don't want to make someone mad. The two things I hear in that are I. Mm -hmm. And where I go is it's not about you. So even if you do screw up and I get mad at you, oh, well, it doesn't matter because this actually isn't about you. It doesn't mean I'm not going to love you. It doesn't mean we're not going to keep having the conversation. And I think the, the maybe the exercise is how do we take and this is hard for all human beings to do, right? But how do we take ourselves out of the equation and our experiences and then fully listen, fully go into, I have to trust black people when they tell me they're angry. I have to trust black people when they tell me that this is an issue, even though I haven't experienced it as a white person. And that that's like, like another level of empathy, but what are some like system things people can start to take to go that, that what direction? Well, I think that opening your heart's and minds to the idea that your experience is different than someone else who has a different skin color, or even someone who has the same skin color but lives in a different neighborhood, or is in a different socioeconomic situation, or just has different parents, that that it's about really trying to openly understand on a deep and meaningful level things that are not necessarily in your life experience. It is very hard for someone who hasn't had that experience, who has been raised in a family that maybe was closed-minded or extremely biased. And, And I think that, you know, on the topic of bias, I think it's really important for all of us to understand, we all have biases. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. I've had African American clients in my practice saying, I have this bias against white people. I've had white clients saying, I have this bias against the Asian people, like everybody has biases and it's important to get really clear on what our biases are so that we can work through them. And to say that you don't have them is to 
then not have the opportunity to work through them and to help heal this on a, on a bigger level. And, and I think that that's a really important part of this. It sometimes we're so in this day and age focus on being politically correct and not saying the wrong thing. And like you're saying that that becomes about the I as opposed mm-hmm. to the collective experience and bettering ourselves and better understanding the experience the experiences of others. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you, Dr. Jen, about how um, how to have some of these tough conversations with other white friends, white family, how to initiate those conversations because they need to be had. Um, more with Dr. Jen on Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject with Allie and James Simmons. And we're talking to Dr. Jen about a lot of things. And I think that one thing I wanted to ask you specifically about Dr. Jen is I know I've had more and more conversations with, you know, white friends, white family about what's going on, because some of the black voices that I have in my life have been making it clear that it's it's on us to speak to each other about this and to have those tough conversations. And I just wanted to ask you, just when you're trying to have any really tough conversation with a family member or a friend, how do you navigate that? How do you start that text message or that phone call and say, hey, this is really uncomfortable and I, it's really important to me that we speak about this? And what happens if they're not receptive to that? I, look, I, th- I think asking where are you at? Like, I have questions I want to ask. I want to have a conversation, but I also get it if you're not in a place to have this conversation. And I think that it's taking the temperature of the individual, the person that you are hoping to have that connection and that conversation. It's such an, a, an interesting point that you bring up about where meeting someone where they are in terms of then having to have those difficult conversations and, and we're all so raw and I've been using the word fragile lately. <laughs> For some yeah. reason, that's the word that comes to mind. I think on top of COVID-19 and a quarantine and a really intense political climate, and then now everything going on with police killing Black men and the protests that have gone secondary to that. You know, I, I think there's sometimes this opportunity to just stay. I like that you were like, let's just start with that. Like, where are you? Because mm-hmm. I even, uh, you know, I, I'll admit I had a friend earlier this week who was like, you know, I joined this book club where it's intentionally white ladies and we're going to read these texts and we're going to figure out how we can help. And I was uh, like, when I think about it, that's great. But I also was like, I don't really give an ass right now. Well, like, also, like, what is that person getting out of telling you that? Right, right, right. And uh, so I think it's just really interesting from someone who, and I, I don't think I handled it very well, Dr. Jen. That's the point I'm getting to. So someone who is fragile and tired and triggered. Totally. What what are the things that I can do to just like not completely bite the head off of a friend <laughs> who is honestly trying to help? I think it's okay to say, look, I appreciate your intentions are good with your book club, but not a great time for me to talk about it with you. Well, you know, let me check back with you in in a few days because I think that yourself, your own self care is paramount in all of this. That, like you said, COVID, all of these black men being killed by a police officer, like. We're under such stress, such exhaustion, such anger and frustration and injustice swirling around right now that you got to put gasoline in your own tank if you're going to drive the car. And like you can't drive the car and go pick up a friend and give mm-hmm. them a ride if you got no gas in the tank. So I think that, that that's really important. And, you know, um, I have a little bit of a unique background in this in that, you know, my parents 
wrote many of the songs of, you know, protests of the 60s and 70s that I grew up with African-American artists coming in and out of my house. My daughter is named after an African-American man that I learned about racial profiling in the early 70s when a well-known artist who's African-American was leaving the house, my parents' house, and was stopped by police for being Mm. black driving in our neighborhood. And so I was very fortunate that I was made aware of this stuff very early. And look, I was protesting in the, I think it was the early, early 80, mid 80s. Mm. You know, I felt cry the beloved country was protesting against apartheid from the South African consulate. So Mm. one of the things that I recognize, and look, I'm, you know, not the paramount of, of virtue, but I'm fortunate in that I was enlightened about a lot of these issues very early on. And one of the things that I have seen with a lot of other colleagues and friends who weren't enlightened, that this is new information for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And it's shocking if you're someone from the African-American community who's like, what do you mean you don't know about this? Like Rodney King, like, come on, like get with the program. Mm -hmm. But For a lot of people, this is new information, and it's frustrating, I think, for a lot of people who have been living this their entire lives to have to enlighten white people about this. But I also think that it's important for people who don't have this experience to be educated about it because you can't understand how important it is and how important it is to take action, to speak up, to post on your social media, to read books, to sign change.org, and to donate to to charities who are doing well, to get out and, and do what you can, unless you understand the depth of the problem. I think with, with coronavirus and with this, and just this whole crap year in general, it's about keeping yourself informed and keeping yourself educated and and moving forward while also trying to protect our own mental health. And that's such a tough balance for all people right now. And also recognizing, know what you don't know. I think that that's an important Mm -hmm. element in all of this, that, that there's a lot that you can't know unless you've had that experience or you've been exposed to it in a significant way and that we have to be open to that education from people who are ready to share that information. Yeah. Well, Dr. Jen, thank you for chatting with us as always. And you can follow Dr. Jen at Dr. Jen Man, two ends on Jen, two ends on man. And um, hope you have a happy and safe weekend. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James. Always nice to talk to Dr. Jen. And also there, you know, something that we talked about with her, something we talked about a little earlier in the show is coronavirus is still happening everyone yeah that's still going on and everyone is out protesting in the streets right now people are getting more out and about anyway there's more reopenings happening in in different cities and states i believe that many restaurants are starting to reopen here in los angeles and what is that doing to the rise if any in coronavirus cases you were at the hospital was it yesterday? And you admitted a couple more positive cases. Um, what are things looking like now? And I wanted to just kind of go over the experience that you've been having at the hospital. Sure. You know, there's, there's, it's been really interesting because we're, we're sort of just at a, like, I feel like a flattening here. Like California overall has a couple of counties where cases are spiking, unfortunately. And so as a state, we're still on that list of, of, 
of states where cases are spiking, but other places are sort of flattening out a little bit, including L.A. County. Um, the cases are still rising, but not at the same rate that they were. You know, there, the, a very classic example happened of, of a patient that I admitted who um, was in her 60s and uh, Latina who lived with a son and a grandson and... Um, obviously, for privacy reasons, that's all the details I can give. But this, she had significant underlying health uh, um, issues that many, many millions of Americans have. And her son had a cold a couple, like a week ago or so. He wasn't really feeling great, but he just it, it lasted like two days, and then he got over it and he felt better. She came in yesterday and was like, oxygen, satur- oxygen saturation was in the high 80s. She had this bilateral pneumonia. Like, right away, we were like, yep, this is COVID. Um, like, we didn't even need to test for it. We did, wow. obviously. But, like, you just, it's, it's, it has a very particular pattern in some individuals, and it was there. And this is the same thing that concerns me in terms of younger individuals who may be asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic who are out protesting and in large groups. And while, you know, it, so what I worry about is these individual visuals are going out there. They're almost in the super spreader environments. They may be asymptomatic and not even realize they have it. Yes, they may be wearing masks, but they're also shouting and screaming. They're also not being physically distant. And then they're going home to their multi-generational family living under one roof. And then you pass that on to mom or grandma or dad or grandpa, whoever, who might be at higher risk. And that's what concerns me. I'm not necessarily as concerned about younger individuals who were at the protest being the ones that get super sick. I'm worried about who they're going home to and that we will inevitably see some sort of spike in this. Uh, it remains to be seen how large that spike will be. But yeah, I know. I, I, yeah. I mean, I woke up this morning and I was like, Oh, what, when, when is the next kind of, I guess, blow up gonna happen because it's gonna happen and i feel like it's gonna happen because and i feel like there's gonna be a lot of people blaming it on the protests and being like see you shouldn't be out protesting because you know you're contributing to the spread of the virus but it's also like i understand why people are protesting and then like with those people in your example should they have not gone out and protest or is there a safer way to protest you know you talk about gloves and masks it's not like that makes you impervious to coronavirus it helps so if you have any underlying health condition you probably should not be but if you're young and healthy what do you do and act and to stay active well right and also listen the you know stroke heart disease cancer diabetes uh, what were the other one? There are seven. There are seven categories of mortality that disproportionately impact black individuals. Black individuals right. die of these categories more than other racial ethnic minorities. So there we have to also fight for the injustices in the healthcare system, too, which is part of what this whole movement is about. So. Uh, we need to be protesting. We need to be fighting for change on the longer term. But right in the shorter term, it, I, I see everyone and I'm like, ah, like there were so many people who take their mask off to talk to reporters I <laughs> when mean, they're being when, interviewed right. the protesters. I'm like, no, 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 don't take your mask off. Don't take your mask off. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. We can hear you. This is what I they mean, have long microphones. Just leave it on. When in history has there been, you know, pictures of a completely empty Times Square then three weeks pass and a completely jam-packed Times Square. Never. 
No, no. Yeah. And this is so it remains to be seen. I mean, the data is just trickling in now from Georgia and Memorial Day, uh, Georgia. You know, Georgia was one of the first states to open. Yeah. So uh, the data will tell us what's going on. But please, uh, just from me to you, continue wearing your mask, continue being physically distant, continue using hand sanitizer, even, even as we start to open up and stay safe from Drop the Subject. We love you. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject with Allie and James Simmons. Big thank you to the guests that we've had on today, Dr. Jen Mann and our good friend Jason Carter, but also of the incredible guests that we've had all week long, Dr. John Paul, Travel Anderson, Robin D'Angelo, Dr. Errol Southers. It's been such a great educational week. And it's also important that we talk about some of the other hashtags that were making their rounds on Twitter that are, and I, I'm using the P word here, problematic. Uh, all lives matter is something we've talked about earlier in the week, but buildings matter too. Uh, everyone seems to be very upset that other things also matter. <laughs> and um, <laughs> this goes in response to some of the small businesses and some of the large businesses that have had, that have been victims of looting and, and some property damage and things like that. Uh, yeah. So the Philadelphia Inquirer earlier this week had a, had a headline on the front page said buildings matter too. And the sub headline, yes, they can be rebuilt while lives are forever lost, but that doesn't mean they will be. And, uh, and this was in the middle of when protests were really, really, really intense. And the, and the day after, um, it was actually on Tuesday. So it was, you know, there was still a fair amount of rioting and looting going on across the country at that time. And so on Thursday, actually more than 30 journalists of color at the Philadelphia Inquirer called out sick, um, because the paper ran that in protest, there was also um, at the New York Times, another well-respected publication, more than 800 staff members signed a letter protesting the publication of an opinion piece by Republican Senator Tom Cotton titled Send in the Troops. Oh, which, my God. Yeah, um, was pretty sort of interesting. And so I, I, I am glad that, you know, it's very difficult that. Because, you know, as a, as a sort of a trained journalist, if you will, my bachelor's degree is in journalism. You know, I, I was taught journalism in the in the early mid 90s at this still very this height of, of supreme objectivity. Right. And you just simply report the facts. And, and I still firmly believe in that. To, to most degrees, except you cannot ignore what is political. You cannot ignore that everyone has some biases. And so, you know, I, I, I think it would have been unheard of before to have so many journalists protest so swiftly and take such immediate action over what are supposed to be sort of semi nonpartisan publications um, like the New York Times, like the Philadelphia Inquirer, but they are. And I'm really impassioned by that because the media that we are a part of also has to be a part of making significant change in how we talk about these issues. Well, yeah, and something that we talked about in our town hall was about how media covers things like this, particularly when it comes to protests. And, you know, a lot of signs and, and people have been speaking up about uh, why have why doesn't the media cover the more of the peaceful protests? And, you know, we had a, an open discussion about that at the town hall. And, and it, it does bear more 
thought and conversation because while you do want to keep people updated on everything that's going on and and offer multiple perspectives about what's going on and to get interviews with lots of different people that are experiencing these events in different ways you also have to think about you are the media and you control you control a lot of the narrative and what does that narrative say to people and how does that narrative affect people and a lot of people are saying well the the way that this is being covered is spiking a lot more fear and anxiety than it should mm-hmm. or when you post articles like that buildings matter too or send in the troops what does that say to the american people it matters it, it does matter. And, uh, you know, a lot of the journalists of color at uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer actually speak to just that in a, in a letter that they sent to management. Uh, you know, part of what they said was we're sick and we're tired of seeing our words and photos twisted to fit a narrative that does not reflect our reality. Right. We're tired of being told to show both sides of issues. There are no two sides of. And I think wow. that's like, yeah. like, first of all, ending. Isn't that a dangling part of partisan whatever but the the i'm there like this this we've talked about this a little bit off air earlier this week this notion of false equivalency that there is an equal balance of good and bad right and wrong left and right you know in in every situation and there just isn't and so where you try to get to this like level of objectivity there also has to be an understanding of that things are not not right buildings will never matter as much as a human life Ever, period end well, of discussion like, right and that and, and by the way i love that you put that so succinctly and also made a grammar joke in the middle of it but because <laughs> you know I'm, I'm an ass like that <laughs> dangling participle everyone if you right. haven't heard that since sixth grade <laughs> but it's something that was covered during the fires last year's fires uh when so many homes were being lost and a lot of people's lives were being put in danger and there was this narrative of these buildings can be rebuilt like your lives cannot be and take the things that mean something to you uh, grab your medication anything that will help you with your well-being and keep you safe and then get to shelter and we will we will rebuild that's something that was constantly being being that constantly shows up again and again and again when these big disasters happen and why is that narrative not coming through with this disaster right you know it 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 should. And I think on the most part, it, hopefully it is. You know, I, I think this is this is one example of 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 a big miss, if you will, to use corporate speak. But I think there are a lot of organizations that have if they've not been covering this well, they've been called out really quickly. You know, even True. though we talked yeah. before about the local news departments here, uh, local TV news stations, there's a couple of them that are covering this f- fantastic uh, and there are a couple of others who are using words like heathens, um, these no good doers, like all of these things by an all white anchor cast, um, you know, covering the protest. And it's just so completely insensitive. Just so to note, in terms of journalistic integrity, the Philadelphia Inquirer did issue an apology to its readership, um, which is available online. And they are they are absolutely saying we we erred in allowing the headline that is tone deaf and not reflective of where we are as a nation or community to be printed so um props to them for at least acknowledging it and hope they do better yeah absolutely um all right more drop the subject when we get back drop the subject the new channel q gotta give a shout out radio shout out to cam wagon on in, on instagram who direct messaged me the other day and said um Hey, Allie, as somebody who has been listening to you on the radio for a better part of a decade, I just wanted to say thank you. 
up in San Francisco, you were all about comedy. And as I followed you over to drop the subject, I learned so freaking much about LGBTQ rights, black rights, and so much more. I listen every day and thrive on the education, especially now as a straight, white, super privileged man. Anyway, thank you for using your platform, not to only to make us laugh, but to truly make the world a better place. So Whoa. I think that's, I know, <laughs> it makes me cry. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, and there's something really positive going on on your end too so i just wanted to share those yeah, things yeah well thank you for that, that cam that's great yeah it is and I, I think that's you know we there's been so much going on this week and I, I, we're going to keep the the tone has to remain what it is we have to keep fighting for all of these things um, but i think it's important to share some positive things that happen as well um you know my niece who i know listens to the show sometimes uh has been really moved by everything we've been talking about and then of course everything going on in the world and my niece is white and uh, she is uh, been she's reading white fragility. She's checking people around her. She's uh, went to doing protests. She's posting everything on social media that she's doing. She also today is her birthday and she set up um, a fund, uh, you know, that you can do like on Facebook for her birthday. And she's already raised like like. Uh, three quarters of her way to her goal of I think it's a thousand dollars. I mean, she's just uh, and that's for the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Um, she just is sort of like she's like, I get it. And I get that we have to have these tough conversations. And like, thank you for being a part of our family. And just I don't know, it was, it was really amazing. So very touching. Um, and how old is she on her birthday? She turned 27 today, which is the exact same age that oh, Brianna wow. Taylor would have turned today. Um, and I feel like we need to give a little bit of time to, you know, today being the, the, the birthday for Brianna Taylor, who was the EMT um, uh, killed by Louisville police. Uh, if you are unfamiliar with the story about two months ago, um, uh, Brianna Taylor was asleep in her own apartment in Louisville. She's an EMT, uh, both on ambulances and then in, in emergency departments. She was serving during coronavirus and uh, police used a what's called a no knock warrant, which is legal in the state of Kentucky. They bust into her apartment and then into her bedroom. Her boyfriend, who was sleeping with her at that time, um, started to reach for a gun that he had. He thought that they were being robbed. According to police, he fired at them first and then police opened fire on both of them. Um, and, and and was there any indication as to why they were entering the house in the first place? Yeah, so it was sort of a mistaken location. So uh, uh, apparently, this, how the story goes is that apparently a friend of Brianna's boyfriend, okay, so a friend of his, of him, it was potentially caught up in like a drug, like like drug dealing. Okay. And so they thought that they were going to that guy's house. They were not going to that guy's house. They were going to Breonna Taylor and her boyfriend's house. So apparently nothing to do with any of this. So they shot and killed her. Uh, so far, Taylor's family has filed a wrongful death lawsuit. Um, and there's an FBI investigation. And that is about it. There's been really no movement. Um, on May 21st, you know, FBI's Louisville uh, division said that they were announced they were opening up an investigation into the circumstances surrounding the death, but there has not been any change in her case since then. So celebrities, uh, politicians, everyone is saying, okay, we have to take the energy and the movement from the protests around the murder of George Floyd into bringing justice for Breonna Taylor. Well, and I wanted to share something that you had posted on your social media um, because it just puts this all so well. Hold on, there's a 
Okay, it's a tweet. It took all 50 states, the Amish, K-pop stands, 13 other countries, witches, anonymous, the LGBT community, celebrities, stan Twitter, people of color, white allies, and Batman to get second-degree murder and the and the three cops arrested. And we had the president and the military against us. My God. And that's one person. That's one case. That's just for one case for... And that was not my tweet, by the way. I retweeted that. Um, but the the... Yeah. So we're go Isn't that amazing that we have to have all of this just to get what was very obviously murder. And so and, and very obviously, you know, I think in the case of Breonna Taylor, who knows what the intent was there, um, uh, you know, and but there needs to be some charges. These police officers need to be held accountable. By the way, they have not even been fired like these individuals still have their jobs for breaking wrong, breaking into the wrong apartment. So doing their job incorrectly, resulting in the loss of life of someone else like this is unbelievable. <laughs> it's that unbelievable. And then the Louisville um, police chief was fired over a different incident that we spoke uh, spoke about uh -huh. earlier this week. So yeah. it's like, uh, I mean, this police force has so much, has so many problems. And, and according to, this is according to CNN, as of May 21st, the FBI's Louisville office announced they were opening an investigation into the circumstances surrounding her death. Um, but there's been little movement on the case, as James said, and we hope that there will be more movement. And this is why it's so important to keep going and keep these conversations happening, keep act activating, keep getting out there in the streets because it does not stop at George Floyd. We'll be right back. News It or Lose It is on deck. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents... News it or lose it. Drop the subject returns. James Simmons, Allie Johnson. I almost said Allie Yor. Because <laughs> that's your Twitter handle, Yor Allie Johnson. Uh, I am guest co-hosting. It has been a very long week. We have used a lot of our words and a lot of our brains. Uh, and we are going to continue that because Allie has three decisions to make. It is time for news it or lose it. I have three headlines. There it is. One more time, Allie. Uh, an excellent binger, banger, dinger, clanger today. Headline numero uno. Russia declares state of emergency after massive oil spill in the Arctic Circle. Oh, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't even know about that. Right. Well, I think there's lots of things going on in the world right now that uh, a lot of us are not. They're not about. making top line news. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, Lego pulls advertising for police related toys, donates four million to fight racism and inequality. Oh, that's really lovely. Uh, I think we have all the information that we need there. So I'm going to lose it for the sake of time. But I think that's wonderful. Go Lego. Go Lego. They were they sort of I feel like we need to start ranking people's corporate statements. Uh, with <laughs> yeah. Ben and Jerry's being like the the, the top top, right? So if you read and like NFL those being at the bottom, which is yeah, nothing, <laughs> which is like well, what well, they did, they're like we stand with the black community. They still have not said Black Lives Matter yet. They won't do it. Uh, so yeah, uh, I would give Legos uh, like a B minus C plus. It's okay. It's, okay. it's, it's solid. It's solid. Uh, and then <laughs> headline number three. Fox News host Laura Ingram tells LeBron and Kevin Durant to shut up and dribble. Oh, my God. I saw this audio circulating on Twitter. We must play it. And uh, I must news it. I have I, more anger to get out before the end of the show. 
Let's get the the oil spill out of the way, by the way. So <laughs> I'm sure uh, that's what Russia is saying. I'm sure they're like, oh my God, thank God this is happening when other stuff's going on, so no one's pointed looking at us, right? Uh, so Vladimir Putin has declared a state of emergency in a region within the Arctic Circle in very far northern Russia. The move comes after 20,000 tons of oil leaked slowly into a river from a power plant that makes palladium and nickel. Now, the interesting part about this, by the way, um, is that the power plant officials didn't know it was happening until it was brought up on social media. Oh, no. Oh, it's like I had to find out that my boyfriend was cheating on me through social media. And Putin's like, I had to find out about oil spill on social media. Uh huh. That's exactly how it happened. Literally, they're like discussing how news of the spill emerged in the televised meeting. Putin was reportedly shocked to discover that local Uh authorities had only learned of the incident from social media two days after it happened. (gasps) Two days? Two days after it happened. Yeah. So, Man. uh, And like, uh, go ahead. Well, it just appears that, yeah, I was just going to get in a few particulars. It just appears like in similar to United States, declaring a state of emergency has cleared up funds and resources for now individuals to go up and start the cleanup there. They are worried, though, that obviously that's a huge source of water for the country of Russia though it's so remote and not a lot of individuals rely on that water source directly there, but they are worried about if they can't clean it up fast enough because it's a river, it could flow into tributaries and become really a big issue. Wow. And this story, I mean, you, you think about how, how much is going on in the world right now. And then when you usually look at news articles on the very bottom, you know how they have those like bottom feeder crap stories that are uh-huh. like Britney Spears with her teeth removed and stuff like right, that. Right. This is that right now. Right now. Right. <laughs> it's like this is the so bottom scroll stuff is like massive oil spill in Russia. Speaking of bottom feeders, um, can I say <laughs> that? Maybe, Jesse, you should edit that part out. No, you get, you say it. Oh man, this woman is, I, she probably, she might have to be the political pundit that drives me the most crazy. So Fox News host Laura Ingram tells LeBron James and Kevin Durant to shut up and drivel, but tells Drew Brees that he's allowed to have an opinion. This audio is something else, y'all. Take a listen. It's always unwise to seek political advice from someone who gets paid $100 million a year to bounce a ball. Oh, and LeBron. First of all, factually incorrect. The NBA does not pay anyone a hundred million dollars per year. No, but Just, don't don't they pay? I mean, how much does Drew Brees uh, make? Well, right. No, I I don't know what Drew Brees's contract. He's probably up in the high teens per year. Uh, and LeBron yeah, but probably don't they feel makes, like it's like a five to eight year. Yeah, no, I mean million dollar cut. Like I always yeah, see that stuff. But she factually, nobody in the NBA makes one hundred million dollars per year. Like that is factually incorrect. And you're on a news organization. I digress. Ron and Kevin, they're great players, but no one voted for you. Millions elected Trump to be their coach. So keep the political commentary to yourself, or as someone once said, shut up and dribble. Well, as someone once said? His- right, and then, then they someone? go on. Who's someone? Right, I don't know if she's maybe saying this, maybe she said it before. Then they cut to a clip from yesterday. Well, no, I think the day before, where Laura Ingram defends Drew Brees having an opinion about Black Lives Matter and the anthem. View about what kneeling and the flag means to him. I mean, he's a person. He has some worth, I would imagine. I mean, this is beyond football, though. This is totalitarian, totalitarian conduct. This mm-hmm. is Stalinist. 
And by the way, on the streets of New Orleans, we're looking at live pictures. They're yep. shat- I mean, whatever. I don't care what you think about oh, what's going on. My Isn't God. that something? So white guy who stands for the, you know, whatever people not kneeling and protesting is allowed to have an opinion. But two black men who play basketball need to shut up and dribble need to shut up and dribble. Fun. Wow. And she mentioned that Drew Brees is a person. Is a person, right. But Kevin Garnett and LeBron James aren't. Anyway, uh, there's your news that or lose it. Hope I didn't make you too angry. Happy endings are next. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Well, what a week it has been. It is Drop the Subject with Allie and James Simmons. And a sincere thank you to everybody who is listening this week. Everybody who joined us on the show from Dr. Errol Southers on Monday to Dr. Jen and Jason Carter today. Yesterday, talked to Dr. John Paul. Learned so much. And I'm very, very proud of the radio that we put on the airwaves this this week. Not only for our show, but for um, the Everyone on Channel Q has really just done a fantastic job of of covering and processing these things. And I, I thank you, James, so much for your time. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that honest, I honestly am very proud of what we've been able to do, too. And I, I am really thankful that I get to continue guest co-hosting with you and, and having a platform and Channel Q giving us the space and freedom to, to have those difficult conversations that we've needed to had and have. And just because it's Friday doesn't mean they will stop. We will continue this going because the movement needs to continue as well. Uh, absolutely. Now, let's get into before we go. Uh, hope everyone has a happy and safe weekend. We are going to get into some happy endings because we need a little positivity to take us into the weekend. Uh, there's a lot of sad and, and awful and incredibly maddening things that are going on. Uh, just one little baby silver lining, if we can find one. James, do you have a happy ending, my friend? I sure do. <laughs> okay, what is it? I sure do. Oh, I sure do. Uh, I sure do. Oh, yeah, you bet. Uh, my happy ending, uh, those of you who were still with us in the last break, is that I promise you, at least when I am here guest co-hosting, we will never have Laura Ingram <laughs> as an interviewee or guest mm-hmm. co-host. Ooh, that that is my yeah. best happy ending that I think I could ever give. I'm not sure... Okay, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to cross an agenda item off of our show meeting. Hold yep. on a second. Can you just, can you just get rid of that? Thanks. Um, All right. So I guess we'll redo the promo for Monday. Um, yep. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> James has left the Channel Q family, but guess what? Laura Ingram's here. <laughs> <laughs> it's Allie and Laura. It's oh, Allie my God. And Laura. Oh, God. That would be. It is, it is insane to see news programs like that. Like, you can't call yourself news anymore. No, like what, no. what is the definition of news? I would imagine it's giving factual information to the American people, right. Or to give to factual information to people in general. And when you have no facts and you're just literally spewing off any of your opinions and just spouting out things that are not accurate. What are you then? Are you just, you're Rush Limbaugh. Right. It's, it's horrible. And there are some left leaning organizations that are al- almost, I won't say just as, but they're almost as bad. Like, it's hard. I get it. Where do we actually get the facts from? I digress, Allie. Do you, my dear, have a happy ending to take I us do, out for the week? Because there are people like Laura Ingram out there. There are people like Donald Trump out there. And they obviously are spreading complete misinformation. And they're making us want to pull our hair out on a daily basis. But the good news, if there is any, is that November is coming. And in November, this is for you, Donald Trump. Oh, no. You are about to know about 
That's a great out. <laughs> so, you're about to lose your job. Yes, you are. Thank you to everyone who checked out the show this week. You can download the podcast at Drop the Subject. Um, so just search that into wherever you find your podcast. Follow us at DTS Show. Have a happy and a safe weekend. We're here for you if you want to interact with us anytime on our social media. We'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye. On the next, drop the subject. Whether you're protesting, donating, using your voice, getting educated, or simply taking care of your mentals, we support you in whatever way you choose to show up at this time. Be safe, be active, and continue the conversation. We know we will, and we want to do it with you. We'll see you then. Drop the subject. 12 to 2 Pacific, 3 to 5 Eastern. On the new Channel Q.